So this is BSing with Sean K, and I'm your host, Sean Neese. And for new listeners to this podcast, I talk with people pursuing their passions and provide a platform for opinions that aren't often talked about in the mainstream media. For this episode, I'm going to play you an interview I did with singer-songwriter Rastafa. He is from West Orange, New Jersey, which is not too far from where I am. And he's his project is called Rastafa and Company. And he describes his style as experimental Americana rock. And we talked about how he got started with music and his style and everything. And the main reason why we did this interview is because he wanted to promote a benefit concert that's coming up this Saturday, July 2nd, in Garwood, New Jersey, at a venue called Crossroads. And uh, the name of the benefit, the name of the concert is Music That Matters. It's a fundraiser for the Charles Seller Foundation, and they are an organization that puts on productions that help raise money to help people pay off their medical bills if they're struggling with paying them off. And it's a great cause to support, and even if you can't make the show, uh, what, what you can still donate to the cause on their website. It's thecharlessellerfoundation.org. It's T H E. C-H-A-R-L-E-S-S-E-L-L-E-R foundation.org. Uh, I'll also leave a link in the description, but there's there's a section where you can donate money to the cause there if you're not able to make the show. Ristafa is also an actor, and he's also going to be performing uh, in a production of Footloose, also with the Charles Seller Foundation. Uh, the details about that should be on their website. He said it's going to be sometime in August. Uh, definitely check that out if you're able to, if you're in New Jersey or in the area. And, uh, yeah, so it was a good conversation we had and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. So how did your whole, uh, interest in the arts develop, I guess? Oh God. Uh, where do I start? Uh, should I start from the womb, or should we go a little bit further than that? <laughs> uh, I guess just uh, the necessary parts, maybe, like the basic yeah, parts. Ne- yeah, yeah, necessary. Well, for, well, well, it's America. Well, I don't think nothing's necessary anymore. So, <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, I guess I kind of started, you know, I guess I probably started, like, maybe in the church or whatever. You know, uh, it, it's weird, because I never thought of myself as a singer, probably until, like, later, but that's where it kind of started for me, like in my youth. But then uh, I started playing with uh, percussion at one point. But then I was just like, okay, I, I don't have the focus for this. And then I tried saxophone and I played that for about up from like fourth grade to about 10th grade. I played out to tenor and Barry. And um, it just, because I didn't own my own instrument, it became like the problem. So I wasn't really having like a... Uh, a time or a space where it was just like, okay, I'm physically going to, like, you know, learn this gadget and freaking, like, you know, trying to, you know, master it, you know, on my own time, especially, 
you know, when you're when you're playing instruments, especially when you're playing them loud when you're young, you're disturbing the peace. <laughs> so, um, basically, what happened was in my senior year of high school, I really wanted to just play guitar because um, the reason being was because of one guy, and I keep referencing him to everybody. His name is Richie Havens. Uh, for those of people that don't know who Richie Havens is, he is one of the most underrated, most friendly, and probably, you know, the greatest rhythm guitar player in the world, or was in the world. He passed away a few years ago. He opened Woodstock. You know, this big, tall, dark, handsome young guy with barely any teeth on his upper, on his upper <laughs> jaw. And, uh, he goes up and just rocks the house for two and a half hours at Woodstock. And I never saw anybody play guitar like that ever. And the moment I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do with that. And, uh, um, it just, you know, like, it, it was just not, it wasn't rocket science. And so I just went for it. And then, you know, you pay your dues and like, you know, um, you know, when you want to play live, uh, I've been around like, you know, the open mic scene for the past like six years. And, and, you know, I've played in various places, uh, places that I've even closed down, like, you know, pianos in Bloomfield or Cecil's in West Orange. Uh, but there's also other places too that I play at Tierney's, uh, from time to time, uh, Trend Coffee and Tea in Montclair, uh, Maywood Inn, Twin Door Tavern, Rivars and Fairlawn. I mean, like, there's several different places in Jersey that you can go to and play. But also, uh, New York, especially in the village, is definitely a, you know, a nice hotbed. But now Brooklyn's really picking up steam, and I really want to go out to Brooklyn and check that out. But, I mean, really, that's pretty much the journey of me, like, you know, at least trying to find the muse and trying to, you know, you know, have a, a meeting with the muse because, again, it's it's like, you know, you want to be able to, you know, play music, but you also want to be able to write it. You want to be able to record it. You want to be able to do this and that. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, the music only comes through the door when it wants to come through the door. So. So what what, what kind of how would you describe your style, I guess? The, um, well, you know, a lot of people thought of me as just an, as an acoustic player initially. Well, the reason why they did that was because I didn't have an electric guitar at the time. Um. It wasn't until about maybe 2011 where I got my first Fender Stratocaster, Japanese. And uh, from then on, I was just obsessed about learning about, you know, the little gadgets and little electronics that, you know, went with, you know, instrumentation. And, um, you know, that was the biggest difficult thing was to not be labeled. My, I guess you can call my style like very sort of kind of, you know, straightforward, uh, you know, no BS so it's kind of like a, it's, it's 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 a hybrid, you know. It's basically you know rock infused, uh, reggae infused, Americana infused, blues, country, R and B. You know, it, it's it's a very eclectic style. I I would say if anything, it's range. It's just range because you got to be able to play with anybody and everybody and just learn as much as you can. And of course, you know, with Richie Havens' style, you know, I'm able to do a lot more, um, especially with jazz chords and stuff like that, and really give it a nice touch. But, um, again, I can also play standard tuning, but for some weird reason, Richie's style definitely appeals to me a lot more than I would say any other style. So, uh, what, what's your plan? What's like your most recent news and what do you have planned for the future with your music? I guess. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on, um, you know, not just musically, but also, uh, theatrically. A lot of people don't know this, but I'm also an actor as well. I've been an actor since I was 13 and, um, you know, I've been working my way up the grind and just learning as much as I can. I went to school at Montclair State University for it. 
and it, that was an adventure, but it was also a little bit stressful because I didn't really have time to enjoy it. Uh, and the reason being was because you know you're constantly in class and you really can't like absorb as much as you want to, just because it's just you know school is school, you know. And um, actually, you know what? It's funny. A lot of people also don't know this as well. If you go to Blanton Hall. Right near the Dunkin' Donuts, there's a big image of me playing with a couple other guitar players. I got my, uh, I wish I had my tie-dye on that day, because that's sort of kind of like my, my deal. Uh, but I had my Hendrix shirt on, a harmonica rack on my neck in an in a acoustic guitar, and just with a big smile on my face. And, uh, I, I, and I hope it stays up there for a long time. But that was, that was, you know, an adventure in itself. But in terms of, like, projects, uh, I have a musical that's coming up uh, in August. Uh, actually... Wish I had the date on me, um, but um, it's going to be at uh, Bloomfield High School uh, for the Charles Seller Foundation, which is uh, the musical Footloose. Uh, if you want to know any more details about that, basically search on social media for uh, Charles Seller Foundation Footloose. As a matter of fact, you can go to thecharlessellerfoundation.com and it should have more information about Footloose and uh, you know what we're doing it for and why we're doing it. And... Um, as far as other uh, acting projects go, uh, you know, I know there's um, stuff in the works uh, with uh, uh, friends of mine or, you know, mentors of mine that have been with me since the beginning. Uh, a girl by the name of Gina Keys uh, has got something in the works, which I won't reveal, but it, but it is a really, really good script. Uh, that should be starting hopefully in the fall, and hopefully by next year we'll be able to present it to the public. Um as well as uh, there's going to be uh, another community project actually based in Montclair, New Jersey that I was just a part of that just wrapped. Uh, it's a uh, it's called the United Justice Project, which is uh, featuring uh, concepts about community and cop relations. And it's basically about helping the community understand the differences between the two factors. Because, again, as you, as you know, the world is pretty much going through a bit of chaos right now when it comes to cops and community trusting each other. And that's a war in itself. And as a matter of fact, that's probably the only civil war other than the civil war that we have had in this country that's had really any relevance or any substance that needs to be really looked upon in terms of, you know, a political wrong being turned into a political right and um, anything else that has to do with, you know, brutality uh, among men and women and children is definitely uh, something that we're trying to address. And also the concepts of what that does to community and how, you know, community definitely needs to, you know, not only be helped by law enforcement, more or less, but also law enforcement needs to help community because, again, it's all, you know, it's all about brotherhood and sisterhood, and that's what we're all about. So that's what we're trying to send a message for. Um, but other than that, yeah, man, it's, that's the, just the acting side alone. Uh, the music side alone, which I know everybody really wants to know about, um, we're doing a uh, concert benefit for the Charles Seller Foundation also. This is a joint project with uh, the JBC, which is the Jersey Beacon Crew, which is what I'm a part of. Uh, we really needed a name at the time because we did this at the last minute, and we kind of needed something to present the public with because, again, we also knew that um, you know, we were just looking for something just so we can you know, be as professional as we could. And uh, we're basically just a group of musicians that you know, are part of the DIY scene. Uh, in Jersey and through the north, you know, east, if you will. And uh, we're just starting, and hopefully, you know, we'll get, even get bigger after this gig, which I hope so, and I, which I believe it will. Um, we're going to be presenting a show called Music That Matters. 
the whole concept of that, uh, because about a year ago, and I know I'm rambling, and I'm, you know, <laughs> trying to make conversation and everything like that, just because, yes, yes, our presenter is here, by the way. He is here. He is not a poltergeist. He is here. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we were um, coming off a year of me meeting, like, all these different bands uh, due to uh, the influence of uh, Sean, the surprise of the century. I know you had him on the program. Yeah. And uh, good dude, great, great dude. And he's um, the reason why we kind of all met. We all met at the place called the Meat Locker, which is a uh, underground sort of kind of like CBGB's like punk metal club in Montclair. That's actually been gaining a lot of traction over the last like year or two. Uh, ups and downs and everything that they've been going through, but they're able to manage. And um, we thought it would be great if we could have that sort of kind of same vibe, that same passion and that same love that we all did when we first met. So that was the original idea, but then we realized that the Meat Locker wasn't able to host a, an event on the day that we kind of wanted. So we had to think outside the box, and I reached out to two members of uh, Off Key Lifestyle, which is one of the bands on the program uh, of, of the Music That Matters uh, event, and uh, they became two of my producers, which was uh, – or my co-producers, rather – uh, Evelyn and Ryan, and uh, they're amazing musicians in their own right, and they have great, you know, people skills. They know a few, you know, strings that they can pull, and uh, they got in contact with the Crossroads and Lee, who's the, uh, uh, you would say he's sort of kind of like the manager of the whole place. Has really been great, grateful to us, and we've been grateful to him for allowing us to use the space, and um, they've just been helpful, for, you know, for the past number of weeks, especially since that, you know, it took forever just to get a poster up. It took forever to get a whole lot of stuff up, you know. Um, but long story short, uh, I contacted other bands that I really felt that really have that same passion and that love. And also, uh, you know, and a few other bands that we tried to get on the bill, but they couldn't due to technicalities. But uh, we got we we're able to pick up Sunflower, Public Warfare, as well as off key lifestyles, I just said, uh, myself and my group, and um, surprise of the century. Uh, unfortunately, and this is actually a little bit of a breaking news here. He will not actually be able to make the show due to uh, him being uh, booked uh, somewhere else. Actually, I think he's going to be booked at his own place, the Spider Saloon. He's, he's not going to be able to make the the benefit show. You mean the one in Garwood? The is that it? The... That's correct. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct because of um, hold on, excuse me. Um. He has, uh, I believe, another gig at the uh, Spider Saloon. Matter of fact, if you, if you haven't checked out the Spider Saloon, I would suggest all your listeners go out there and check out the music because uh, you know I've performed there a couple times along with some other um, great acts. And uh, it's basically an- another DIY venue. It's br- pretty much a house. And uh, you go down to the basement and you just you know jam out. And a lot of people show up. We all donate. We all help each other out. And uh, it's a great vibe, man. But, um, yeah, he won't, unfortunately, he won't be able to make it. However, though, I can't confirm this just yet, but I've reached out to um, an old friend of mine from uh, my days uh, being at the Pianos Bar and Grill, which is no longer in uh, Bloomfield anymore. But um, he's a great musician, and hopefully he'll be able to get on the bill. Um, and, uh, again, like I said, I don't want to like, you know, confirm or anything that I don't know for sure yet but we're still working on that and i believe he'll be opening the show so uh cr- fingers crossed and um of course you know i mean this is going to be uh, a unique show in the sense that you know each band's going to get about 40 minutes set and uh, there's going to be a big jam afterwards so anybody and everybody's uh, welcome to participate in that and um all proceeds go to the charles seller foundation 
from not only donations but from ticket sales. Right now, I've already sold about 36 tickets and uh, raised about close to about maybe $250. And uh, I know other bands are the other band members uh, of all the other bands are working hard to sell tickets and really trying to make things you know happen and make things work. It's just a matter of just you know complying, hustling. You know the deal. You know we're from Jersey. We know how to we know how to take care of our own. So, uh, I guess, uh, is that something you're passionate about is, uh, I guess sort of making change with music and like setting up, I guess, benefit shows and stuff like that, or having socially conscious lyrics and stuff like that? Well, 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 let me get to the socially conscious lyrics. I'll get to that first. So that's actually a very interesting, uh, thing for me right now. Um, you know, when it comes to storytelling, no matter if it's a cover or an original tune, you know, there's always a perception that you take from that and that you make your own. Because uh, every individual, there's 7 billion people on the planet, and everybody has their own perception on life and truth and what does that mean to them. Because, again, collectively, truth can't necessarily, in my opinion, really truly live on its own because, remember, everybody's unique regardless of who it is or, you know, if somebody's good or somebody's bad, we, there's good and bad in all people. And for me, lyrics and melody needs to be a great marriage because there's a lot of songs, and you can probably attest to this, that there are a lot of songs that, you know, lyrics and melody sometimes doesn't match. And it'll be like a bad, it's, hard, it's sort of kind of like a bad divorce. That's hard. <laughs> That would be happening for years to come. You know what I'm saying? It, it comes down to just commitment and seeing what works and what doesn't work. That's why open mic and open jams are my, you know, they're, it's like going to church for me and or it's like going to school for me where it's like, you know, you always learn something new regardless of, you know, who is running it, who's preaching it, who's spreading the gospel about it. You know what I mean? It's a very, you know, it, it's a very spiritual experience, you know, and I, and, the, and I only say spiritual only because, again, uh, I'm not trying to say that everybody needs to be spiritual in order to play music, but um, there's something that happens when you're on stage that you can't explain. Um, performing it, uh, having a crowd at the palm of your hand, and like you know, it's sort of kind of like you know the old Tupac methods where it's like he would lift up his hand and the crowd would just like you know react, and if he told them to spin around, they would spin around. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, that's love, that's unconditional love, but. Um, the lyric and melody of songs definitely have the power to influence. Maybe not change the world, but will spark the brain that will. Yes, I am still quoting Tupac. Um, but uh, no, it's a very um, interesting uh, dynamic of what music and benefits like this can do. Because again, they're made for each other. Uh, I did a benefit uh, last October for myself personally because uh, I was doing a show at the time and I, did, and I didn't necessarily have the budget to uh, pay my dues for the show that I was in. I was in a show called American Idiot that was taking place at New Jersey School for Dramatic Arts, uh, which w went up in uh, January. And uh, by January, I had all the funds I needed. But I will say that the donation or the benefit concert definitely did help and uh, definitely got a lot of support. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. But um, am I just doing benefits for the sake of just doing benefits? Not really. Um, I do it because there's a, there's a purpose for them. And um, originally, and this is something I wasn't expecting to, to say live, but um, originally what we wanted to do was to try to compensate for all the bands because I'm not going to 
bash who doesn't like really compensate bands well or doesn't pay bands well. But you know, there are you know, a lot of times bands, in my opinion, don't get paid for what they should be getting paid for. Um, especially if they're just coming up. Like, you know, you know, I believe really like if truly a band, you know, if, especially if there's like a seven piece band, you know what I mean? Like, you know, everybody definitely doesn't just need gas fare. You know what I'm saying? At least, you know, something to put, you know, in their wallet, gas fare, and maybe something to put in the bank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very difficult because again, it's like, you got to be able to not have an ego and be able to create a, a foundation and a family within you know, especially when you're doing shows with multiple bands, like, you know, because again, you're trying to build an audience. Yeah. Because when you build an audience, like, you know, that's what happens. I mean, I know you've been to shows where you've been, you know, you've seen bands and maybe like only a few, like their supporters only come out, but there's only very few of them, right? Yeah. Well, then they just come to see their friends and then they leave. Right. First band. And then usually I think the first band and the first band usually doesn't have many people watching at all. Or sometimes the last band, if they don't have a big following, too. Sometimes, if it's a new band, those could be the two worst spots, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's... Because, and the reason for that is because um, the psychology of it, of crowd psychology, dims out when another band... Because, again, the longer a band sets up, in my opinion, the more turned off a crowd gets, if you know what I'm saying. Because the thing is, is that... Um, and, I'm, and, again, I'm not knocking anybody, but I haven't been to shows where it takes forever a band to set up and to plug in and to tune up and everything. And it's just like chaos because it's like, you're taking away the span of the attention of the audience that are just like, you know, lingering around, you know, screwing around and, you know, and sometimes they're just not really into the music. They're into the vibe, but not necessarily the music. So, um, I made sure that when I was, when I was putting this together with uh, my co-producers, Evelyn and Ryan, I basically said, guys, we need to have a house drum kit. We need to at least attempt to try to get a house, um, bass amp, uh, which I'm still working on at this, at this current moment. Uh, because again, it's all about, you know, time because time is very limited. And, um, we also wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody was able to get off smooth and to get on smooth because it's easy to break down equipment. It's a lot harder just to put it up, you know, uh, um, and again, to your point, you know what I mean? How like, you know, audiences or audience members can just like you know uh not get into the other bands because it's like oh well i don't really know this band and i don't, I don't know how to you know really get get my attention span into them well it's not just really just about your attention span it's about your energy where do you put your energy at you know where's your ego at also you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> it's, it's difficult because it's like you know how can you, you know, expect to really make this event possible if you can't necessarily participate? Even if you, if you're not a big fan of the music, you can at least love the energy and the effort. You know, and that's why I think all these bands were definitely in mind to to play the gig because, again, I think some of these bands are actually not just some of the best musicians that I've ever heard, but also, you know, great friends. You know, what I mean, uh, the Schwam also. The Schwam is also going to be there, and the Schwam. Um, when I first met them, I, I was actually kind of jealous because uh, they they kind of wear tie dye, and I wear tie dye, so it's just like it's like one of those things where it's like, oh okay, uh, how are we gonna work this? And then finally, I just gave in. It's like, okay, I'll buy a T-shirt from you. So I wear it all the time. <laughs> so so kill two birds with one stone. But at any rate, yeah, man, it, it's just all about you know trial and error, see what works. You know, and and again, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, again, I'm not sure if, uh, if your listeners definitely don't know about this also, but whenever you do a gig, especially a benefit gig, 
you want as much participation as possible. So you'll reach out to anybody to get an audience. So like, uh, for example, I've reached out to many, many newspaper articles, bloggers, uh, and of course, uh, podcasts as we're on right now, because again, it's all about getting the news out there, right? Yeah. And it's all about, you know, presenting the event as big and as bulky as possible, because again, you want to, you want an audience to be not only interested, but you also want an audience to be like, Hey, I got nothing else better to do. Let me go to this show because it's all about, you know, the marketing aspect of it. No matter what dude, I don't care if you're selling a box of soap, you know what I mean? It's going to have the best soap in the world, but if you don't have the right, you know, marketing or the advertisement or anything like that, nobody's going to care. Yeah. And, uh, is it is it hard for up up and coming bands to break in? Because I mean I, I haven't been uh, I was involved in music like maybe like six years ago or so. I, that's pretty far back now. But like uh, I remember a lot of the places were more pay to play. Like there was very few where you had you, you kind of had to set up the show yourself. So like if you were an up and coming band and you didn't already have a following, it was hard to get other people to come and see you and stuff. Like. Well, you know, that's another thing, too. And and I understand from a business point of view why establishments do that because they're trying to get money in. Because remember, especially if you're at a bar, all that money's got to go to the bar because you're trying to get people to serve that at bar to create revenue and to create more business. Um, you can make money by having somebody at the door and like, you know, yeah, this is how much this is going to pay to get in, like $7, $10, $5, whatever. Uh, and it's difficult for, especially for young bands, like, you know, guys that are just starting out and I really just want to make a lot of noise. And the reason why they're charging them to play is just that, because again, it's like, you know, well, if you don't, well, that's the thing though, in order to build a following, you have to, you know, not only just write music and sell music, you actually have to go convince people to go see you. You know what I mean? And, and the funny thing is, is that. I know a lot of, you know, especially I've met a lot of people that said, well, I don't want to do like, you know, free shows. I don't want to do, you know, something for free. Well, here's the thing. If you can't humble yourself and really uh, allow yourself to build character and to pay your dues, you're not going to get the results that you want. That's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, and again, there, there are a couple establishments that you have to pay to play, which is something I don't understand because even if you did do that, it's like, if you don't make anything back from that, what's the point? You know what I mean? Especially, especially if you've been a band for like five years and they're telling you that still, I'm sorry, bro. Like, you know, I mean, yes, of course, let's say for example, you brought in a hundred people. That's great and all, but the thing is maybe an establishment wants, you know, 250 people or you got to sell, uh, 200 tickets or something like that. Like, you know, the stone pony, uh, you know, I, I believe is a pay to play place if I'm not mistaken, unless if you're like on another bill opening for somebody like my boy, uh, Xander is opening up for, uh, an American Idol winner. Uh, on the same day that I'm having my show at, at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, but um, you know, it's it's I empathize with a, with a lot of bands that are going through that. But you know, the thing is, is that what can make it easier is that if you do a mega show, in other words, have multiple bands on the same bill, and you know, you may not get paid a lot, or you may not get paid at all. But the main thing is, is that you bring in people. It's all about bringing in an audience, because remember, it. it an establishment doesn't care, truthfully, if there's a 300 people in the audience. I mean, they like that. They like that. 
But if they're not getting anything at the bar, they can't afford anything at the bar, they can't afford anything in the establishment, they get pissed, you know, because, you know, they're not contributing to the business. But again, you know, I went through this myself where, you know, I mean, I would go to a bar just to go to an open mic or an open jam and they would cut my name off of the, of the list because I wasn't contributing to the bar. You know what I mean? And again, it's not a knock on the bar itself, but the people that are running it, you know what I mean? I get their point, but at the same time, dude, I'm there. I'm just there to serve the muse. You know, I'm there for the music and I'm there to rehearse. I'm there to try things and stuff like that. But if it's an actual gig, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to have all your bases covered, you know? And again, you know, I love shows where the more the, the merrier because again it's all about the energy because the audience creates that energy for the bands and I also encourage you know the bands on this particular show to bring their merchandise to bring their CDs their EPs their LPs their shirts their you know wristbands their stickers whatever they have to sell and make revenue off that because the thing is is that if you always have something to, to sell sell it there's no reason to not do that you know what I mean because it's all about building a following and um, I, I will say that building the following, you know, it may not seem fun initially, but for me, it's actually fun because, again, it's it's all about that contact that we were talking about earlier. Because, again, you can have a great song and it may get some hits on YouTube. It may get a lot of hits on YouTube. It may get some notoriety on iTunes or any other social media format. But the thing is, though, it's all about hitting a nerve. You know, my uh, college professor, uh, Valazzoli from Montclair State University, he does a rap rock class. And uh, he used to run Atlantic Records uh, when Ahmed uh, wasn't running Atlantic Records anymore. And he said that music hits a nerve. It doesn't matter what the genre is. It doesn't matter who you're serving, what record company you're able, or even if you're not a part of a label, that if that music does not hit a nerve, no one's going to care. And it's hard. And again, I... I don't say that wholeheartedly. I say that with passion because, again, it's like, you know, I, you know, there have been songs that have been so great that I've listened to that I felt that deserved to be on the radio. But yet at the same time, it's like it's all politics. So if you are able to defeat the politics and the infrastructure and be able to get behind those big walls, so to speak, then you're able to accomplish anything. It's all about belief. It's all about hunger. It's all about a hustle. It's all about will. It's all about the feel, and it's all about you know the, the just the the overall sense that we will do this, we will get this done. There's nothing that can stop you or us. And I truly feel that this generation has a lot to prove, because again, as of right now, and again, I'm not knocking genres, but certain genres are requiring more on the technology of things more or less than the actual songwriting. Uh, and again, I, I and love the auto tuning and all that too. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, and and I mean, to more fix the thing here, there, it's fine, but yeah, yeah I mean, again, I I love EDM and I love dubstep, but the problem is, is that when you go see it live, all you see is a DJ. And granted, a, a, there's certain there's certain DJs that can put that can make that turntable into an instrument. Like there's only very few people in history that have been able to do that. Jam Master J, uh, uh, a member of uh, Limp Biscuit, when he was uh, putting that DJ table through a Marshall stack, which is ridiculous at the time, but it worked. But again, there's not a lot of people that can use it as musicality. Matter of fact, there's a lot of DJs that don't have music theory. And I'm not trying to say that you have to be the greatest musician in the world to have music theory or you have to be a virtuoso. But the thing is, is that you, you 
it feels plastic at times, and you know when it feels plastic. You know, you feel you know that it's forced by a record company. Uh, I just watched uh, a Tom Petty documentary called Running, uh, Running Down a Dream, uh, and he was talking about uh, when uh, Roger McGuinn from The Birds was going to give like a Christmas song from the record company, and Tom Petty's like, this song is crap. You're going to let them dictate what you're going to do and play? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and again, I'm not the biggest fan of Taylor Swift, but I respect the fact that she stands up for artists. She stands up for, you know, artists' rights. And, and the fact that she writes her own songs... You know, I mean, that's great. You know, Bruno Mars, great genius. Uh, you know, Lady Gaga, when she plays piano, is actually more appealing than, you know, when she's, like, trying to be the female equivalent of Elton John, you know, for me. But it, it's, it's, it's truthfully an art form. And I feel that, you know, uh, this generation definitely has a lot, lot to prove because, again, we're stuck in this quandary of instant gratification. And what's going to break that instant gratification is by stepping up. And not just trying to step down just to um, settle for less. You know what I mean? And this is why, again, instrumentation is not dying out. Because guess what happens? Rappers sometimes need a bass player for this track. Sometimes rappers need an actual drum fill for this track. So who do you get? Musicians. And who do they get to play live? Musicians. You know what I'm saying? Because without a shadow of a doubt, musicianship is the most important. And as a matter of fact, it's the only important important musicality that one artist should have in their his or her arsenal and um i'm a big advocate for songwriters and stuff but i also say that you know anybody who can't write that has a collaborator those collaborators should definitely be featured and should be known and should be you know like for example like you know bernie Taupin for elton john or um oh god i can't remember his name uh who wrote for meatloaf uh jim simon you know those types of guys that you know were at least on the records and that had their names out there. Because, dude, you know there's a, there's a lot of ghostwriters out there for, for a lot of people, you know. And I think they should be known as well. I mean, some people don't maybe not want the fame, but they definitely deserve the credit. Because, again, you know, I can't begin to tell you how many songwriters are on the radio or claim to be songwriters on the radio that have songs that are not hitting the nerve, as, as we were talking about earlier. They're not hitting the nerve. They're not hitting what's going on politically, socially, culturally. That's why I can't listen to really to current, like, you know, hip-hop anymore. I can't. Because it's not hitting nerve for me. There's only, you, you know, there's only rap, the only rap or hip-hop I would listen to is the underground. Like, yeah, you know, underground. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah I was going to say, like, as far as the popular stuff is, uh, goes, that's true. But I think there's still a lot of good stuff, like, is not quite as mainstream. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the thing is, mainstream doesn't know how to solve that. Yeah. And they're scared to, to take risks because back in the day, companies would take risks. I mean, the fact that, you know, songs like Bohemian Rhapsody and Freebird and, um, you know, uh, you know, songs like that that were like so long, you know, and Hotel California, like, you know, because it was so long, they wouldn't do a radio edit, you know. I mean, Jesus. I mean, like, can you just imagine if we didn't have that? Yeah, I, I really do feel that record companies don't really have the cojones anymore to like really go forward and to push new ideas and concepts because they're all settling for less. Same thing with certain artists that I won't name, but they're settling for less. You know, and I truly feel that this generation is definitely going to rise up because I'm being realistic when I say this that it's very important that artists, especially up and coming artists like myself, the Schwam, Off Key Lifestyle, Public Warfare, and everybody else that are out there. Um, definitely have the potential to shake up 
you know, this, this current landscape and not necessarily just Jersey bands, but any bands for that matter that want to make noise and I want to be able to travel and tour. And, you know, it's just going to be, it's not saying that it's harder to make money in this line of work. It's just, we have to adjust ourselves in a new business like state to really figure out what we're going to do here because we expose the business as fans. Now it's our job to see how can we, cause, and I'm going to say this with confidence, there's enough for everybody. And anybody can take that the way they want to. They can take it as there's enough for everybody in terms of that anybody and everybody can make it in their own way. Uh, that, you know, uh, you know, there's going to be change in the air. There's going to be, you know, times where it could be rough, but at the same time, there will be successful time periods. And again, you know, we're in our infant stages with digital technology, but I guarantee you right now we'll be able to, move forward instead of backwards because again and not just in this country but anywhere everywhere else like you know it looks like that we're moving backwards but at the same time though you know music art storytelling is the only thing that's really pushing us forward so we're kind of in a transitionary period is what you're saying pretty much and again we'll be able to get out of it it's just a matter of just you know how we get out of it and and it's not necessarily just the how that we should be worried about it's more or less believing that we can you know, everything starts with intuition and a, and a belief. And I truly believe that, you know, my generation uh, is going to pop out of the, the woodwork. You know, we'll have our Nirvana moment. We'll have our, you know, Buddy Holly moment. We'll have our Beatles moment. We'll have our Prince moment. I mean, like, it's coming. And every genre will be represented. And here's the thing. For people that says rock and roll and heavy metal and blues and jazz and True country music, and I mean real country music, is dead. That's not true. Because go to Bonnaroo. Go to uh, the biggest heavy metal festivals in the world in Europe. Dude, they sell out more places than, like, you know, your average part in the States. And that says a lot. You know, and, you know, bands like The Fish or, you know, Judas Priest or, uh, you know, um, you know, contemporary country bands like, you know, Chris Thomas. I mean, like, you know, I mean, there's so much different styles and different eclectic uh, audiences that, you know, you could tell the real stuff from the from the plastic stuff. And um, it's a shame how the Grammys and, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame, as I call it, uh, are not featuring uh, artists. Of all, of all sorts on the television all at once. Uh, like for example, like if you're gonna have the Grammys, you might as well showcase every award being shown as an all day event. Or for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as it really should be called, let the fans vote for the people that should be in there because there's a lot of bands that have been, uh, knocked off the radar and that should be recognized for not only their work, but the legacy that they're leaving behind for their fans. You know what I mean? And, and not just those, you know, particular award shows, but just, you know, any award show because all music should be represented in the way that it should be and should be featured and should be supported by the public. I always tell the public, support local music, support local bands, support the bands of tomorrow that are going to shape the world because that's really what we're trying to do, but in our own way. You know, I mean, and again, you know, Tupac, quote him again, not trying to say I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee you I will spark the brain that will change the world. And uh, would you say promoting music and the music scene differs in New Jersey than other places? I mean, I, I don't know if you played elsewhere. Uh, yeah, because again, it's like, you know, it's not New York. New York is the hotbed. It's the, it's the, it's the music capital of the world. You know, L.A. is it's, it's its own scene, but New York is really the machine. 
if you, in all for all attempted purposes, we want to try. We want to try to create an opportunity in Jersey. And again, I said this to Ryan and Evelyn. I was like, guys, you know, we can potentially create something. It's going to start out small, of course, but if we build this, this could potentially help out a lot of bands, including like our own bands, you know. And we really want to create opportunities for you know bands that really want to get out there and get exposure, you know, and I truly believe that art has the ability to do that, especially in Jersey when, you know, of course, you know, the sad part about art is, is that you need backing. You truthfully need backing because you art. And I've asked this a question to a producer in New York that was doing that, that, that does theater there and puts up like, you know, million dollar shows, you know, and I asked her, I said, what is it going to take for our generation or anybody for that matter to have its own revenue, to have, like, you know, for, for the arts to have their own revenue and not just trying to ask politics or just regular millionaires or billionaires or any other type of uh, income for money. Like, what's going to create our own revenue? And she didn't have an answer for that, which is unfortunately sad because she was just like, because, again, we rely on other people. Like, you know, the, 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 the most... The, the person that benefited the most from theater, from my knowledge, is uh, Andrew Weber, who created you know musicals like Cats and School of Rock, and uh, and he's a billionaire in the in the arts in theater. That's unprecedented, dude, in this century. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it all comes down to you know again that belief, belief that anything and everything is possible. You know, what I mean, it's all a matter of just timing, be relevant, and network. I encourage anybody with cojones, network, even if it's somebody in their 80s. I don't care. Network. Get to know people. Like, for example, right now, I'm, uh, I have uh, three gigs this weekend. Two of them are at country clubs, and, and that's just because I network. You know, I'm also a busker, uh, which is a street performer initially, and I do the exact same thing. You know what I mean? I, it's just all a matter of just building. You know what I mean? Rome yeah. was in a day. And I was I was just remembering with uh, my old band uh, because uh, me and my friend who was also in the band we we took the train to catch the bus to CCM and like on the way back we were just talking about like uh, metal and stuff and then this other guy overheard and he was like oh like he was talking about like some of the bands we were talking about and everything and then the next thing we knew we told him about our band he's like oh we got this show this weekend you guys should play that so. Even just like some guy on the train, we got a show through that. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing, though. That's what happened with me um, about a year ago because I was at a, I was in a theater show at Montclair State University called The Persians in the BA program, and um, I had this idea to use a harmonica microphone through an amplifier for an effect, and, and it ended up being like a great effect. It was basically distortion with a little bit of reverb uh, with a scream on it, and um, I brought it to my director, and. Uh, and she's like, let's do it. But what happened before that was absolutely extraordinary. Um, I, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction, which is basically a, um, a tool that everybody can use. It's basically like attracts like. We fear, you know, we, you know, we attract what we fear and we attract what we love, which is like the two dominant sources in anybody's life. And, um, I really wanted this harmonica microphone and I was just trying to figure out, should I buy it or should I manifest it? You know what I mean? Because, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I don't want people to expect this to be like, oh, well, that's not true because I, I, you know, tried doing this for years and it still hasn't come. Well, the thing is, it's not about expecting something. 
You have to expect the unexpected and the above and beyond from the oddest of places to the most common of places. Like, uh, and I was at a gig, uh, watching a performer play at Hat City Kitchen, actually, and a friend of mine named Larry from a band called Black Lace Blues, uh, was talking, I was, we were gawking about, you know, about this, you know, microphone, and he says, I have one. And it was actually a particular one that I wanted. It was called the Green Bullet. And he said, dude, if you truly want it, you can keep it. Unexpectedly. We're just, you know, <laughs> about it, you know, and, and, the energy of that creates opportunity. And the fact that I was able to do that for the show and it became a great staple of the show, I loved it and I still want to see – I haven't seen the footage in a long time. But I definitely want to you know, go back to it because, again, it was worth it. And I absolutely – you know, again, fate and belief – I don't care if you're – I don't care if you're an atheist and I don't care if you're you know, spiritual. Like, you know, and again, because religion separates. It's not a great word. But spirituality is, is something – and regardless if you, if you believe in it or not, we're all bound by energy. I don't get, you can call it God, you can call it Tao, you can call it Tao, you can call it whatever the hell you want, you know, the universe, but we're all connected in some way. That's why I think musical notes and lines from a play or lines from a script of any kind or anything, it brings out a certain nerve or a connection from one individual to another. And then when somebody hears that or somebody sees that, feels it, tastes it, smells it, it, it just becomes the part of our makeup. And, you know, the fact that you were able to manifest that gig, that's a testament to you. You know what I mean? Because everybody's yeah. able to do this. It's just, it's funny how BS works because, you know, you think that, you know, you're BSing, but really, and honestly, you're being real. Yeah. You know, it, it, may, it may be a lie. It may be, it may be truth, but there's realism to it. Yeah. I mean, this 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 conversation we're having is more real than... I guess most most of the talks on I guess the mainstream media news or whatever between the commentators. <laughs> right, because there's no there's no boundaries. When you create boundaries, it only creates, you know, uh, you know, limited ability, but the fact that you have a program that allows, you know, people to be themselves and allows them to talk about whatever's on their mind and also the fact that you're able to like really dive into different subject matters that relate to the same thing allows things to really be brought and you get to know the character of a person. You know, and again, I think um, our generation is going to be really unique in terms of how we react to things. But at the same time, though, it's our responsibility and how we react to things and how we relate, you know, pass that down to the next generation, which is going to be our children. You know, because, yeah. again, you know, the sins of the father, the sins of the mother can usually pass down to the sins of the child. So you got to be very weary and be very careful. Because, <laughs> you know? again, you know, I mean, you don't want, you know, this is why, you know, when, when I always I always empathize with parents, you know what I mean, now more so than I did when I was like, you know, in my single digits or even when I was in my teenage years. And I'm only 24 and I don't have kids of my own at the moment, thank God, because, like, you know, again, I'm not prepared for that yet. Yeah. But when I am, you know, I mean, it's going to be a challenge. But at the same time, though, life is all about challenges, but it's also about you conquering that and conquering them itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I guess is there anything any like final thoughts or anything you want to say about your show or your music or anything or well yeah well let, let's just put it this way let me introduce you to some of the bands we have the Schwam ska rock band uh, I, I believe they're more than just ska more than just rock they're just partiers man they got a great uh, mindset on how they you know approach things when they play and they you know gel well together and they create a great noise together I'm very proud of them off key lifestyle uh, which Ryan and Evelyn are a part of, and uh, they just make a great noise together. 
hungry uh, and, and driven and just, you know, they really want to create, you know, great, great vibes. And, and I think they do and I think they will. Uh, Public Warfare. This is a newer band, actually, from out of East Orange. And uh, these guys are, I mean, they say that they're hip hop, but for me, again, and again, I, I'm tired of labels. I'm really tired of, like, you know, putting a label on a, on a band just because of the, the way they sound. But to me, they kind of have, like, that old school rap metal, new metal sound. You know, it's just, or groove metal. Like, they, they scream into the mic, like, you know, Rage Against the Machine or Public Enemy or, you know, it's just it's just a raw sound and they got a live band behind them and it's a great instrumentation and it's very political driven if you will and, and it might be even more culturally and socially driven and it's kind of like earth wind and fire where you never know there's just like four or five core members but they always add a few pieces so it's really interesting in that respect and they make so it's a bit like rage against the machine i guess political sort of rap yes, but, yeah. but in this case though they really they bring your attention up. They make you pay attention, and that's what I love love about them. And I think and I think they're actually going to be main eventing the uh, the show because again, it's like you know how can you follow that? You know, yeah. I mean, it's just so good. Um, of course, there's also going to be Sunflower, which is a Cedar Grove band, sort of kind of got like a psychedelia folk noise to them, and they're very very uh, genuine, and they got a great uh, vibe that they have, and uh, very very friendly people, and uh, they're grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful that they're even able to do it, so I'm very proud of them. And also, um, of course, you know, uh, Surprise of the Century, uh, unfortunately, will not be on the program, but uh, I support him in his, in, in his endeavors because, again, we, we love each other. You know, you know, I love what he does. He loves what I do. And, uh, you know, we're really, really grateful that, you know, we're, we're in contact with one another. And um, I'm thankful for the fact that he was still able to sell some tickets while he still could. And, uh, you know, but there will be a replacement, and I will be announcing that on facebook.com slash uh, JBC973, which is for the Jersey Beacon crew, and also on the event page on facebook.com, which is uh, Music That Matters. It's the event page, and uh, I'll explain a little bit more of that in a second. And, of course, other bands, um, you know, uh, my band, you know, Rostafa and Company, uh, I have a few friends, uh, Jared, John, and uh, Ari, and we just got a music, music uh, piano accompanying us. Uh, named Greg from uh, Verona, uh, sort of kind of like an eclectic, like sort of kind of last minute put together group. Uh, hopefully, some of them will definitely be a part of a band project that I'm working on. And uh, great songwriters in their respect, respectful rights. And um, yeah, and we should be announcing the other, you know, the, the other uh, act uh, soon as well. And it's really really cool. Uh, the event is called Music That Matters. Look it up on uh, Facebook.com. Uh, Look it up. Uh, and it should be on July second, which is a Saturday. Saturday, July second, starting at six thirty p.m. and it goes until about one a.m. And uh, around like towards the end, we're gonna have a big party jam. So definitely be out there and enjoy it. Uh, and it, this is all all money from the ticket sales and also from the donation sales that we're gonna be uh, asking for that night are all going to the Charles Seller Foundation. We're hoping to raise from anything from $700 to about $1,000 uh, to uh, give to the foundation. And the board members from the foundation will be there. Members of the Footloose Musical will be there that are, my, that are part of my crew. And um, as well as uh, other members of uh, media, we're going to be, it's going to be filmed. It's going to be photographed. I mean, we're working, we're doing the works here, man. And, um, you know, I suggest that anybody within the sound of my voice listening to this program right now, that if you don't have your tickets, go to brownpapertickets.com and look up Music That Matters 973. 
and it should be appearing on your screen. And also, uh, the link is also on the Facebook event. As well as, if you want to contact me directly for physical tickets, you can contact 201-463-9363. And again, this event is very, very important to us all, to all the musicians that are really trying to make an effort to be there. And uh, I want to thank all the musicians and all the, you know, the help from the Crossroads uh, venue and uh, everybody in Garwood and everybody all around North Jersey that's really been supporting me. And um, uh, definitely a big shout-out to Val, who uh, is supplying us with our house drum set. And, and we're still working on the, uh, the bass cabinet thing, if that's going to be uh, a thing. But uh, definitely a big shout-out to Tommy Walker and the TK Walker Band from uh, uh, North Jersey, basically uh, out of Maywood and... Uh, and uh, you know Persephone and and and, and uh, Paramus. I mean, we're we're very very grateful for all of them. And uh, you know, I want to especially give a really big shout out to uh, our the re reason why we're doing this uh, initially uh, is the family through the Charles Seller Foundation, who I'm actually going to leave unnamed uh, uh, until I get the permission to say their names out. If you really want to truly get to know the story, go to thecharlessellerfoundation.org. I believe that's what it is. <laughs> As I'm going on, yeah, yeah, I'm literally looking it up right now. Yeah, thecharlessellerfoundation.org, and uh, yeah, and it's just such a, a great organization. They've been around for 60 years, and uh, look up the current story of this year. Uh, it's a child that's battling leukemia, and she needs all the help that she can get. We definitely need to support her in any way, and I. Hope that everybody and anybody from the sound of my voice can make it out there. We're hoping to have at least a hundred people minimum and more so because it's going to be a party. And we hope to see you there too, uh, Sean. And uh, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> it's going to it's going to be, dude. Trust me, it's going to be wild. And uh, the fact that, like you know, uh, you know, and I won't name any names, but there actually may be some surprise guests that will be there. But again, I'm not. I can't, I'm not. I'm not gonna say who because again I, I'm, I, I don't like to put spoilers out there yet but you know um, but yeah I definitely hope that you know everybody can make it and uh, yeah man you know I, I love everybody that's been helping out so far and, and, I'm, and I'm very very grateful awesome yeah so uh, yeah I think this has been a good chat and I think uh, this about does it I guess for this episode of BSing with Sean K I thank you again for coming on no, thank you, yes, man. Yes. Uh, dude, thank you. And, and again, uh, to all your listeners and everything like that, support this man. If you got any sponsorships that can possibly help him in the long run, if you have any type of uh, you know opportunities to have his platform reach another level of, uh, of audience, support him, support podcasts, support Jersey Radio, support Jersey Podcast, support anything 973-201-908-732. All the area codes of Jersey were all represented. And, uh, yo, peace, love, and hugs, man. Like, uh, we can only go up from here. All right, awesome. So, uh, yeah, and definitely make it out to a show. I guess unless it's one of our listeners in Europe or South America, it might be a little hard. But oh, yeah, but no, I'll tell you what, if you have any <laughs> listeners uh, from, uh, from the U.K. or from anywhere across the world, they're able to donate, too. Even though they can't make it to the show, they're more than welcome to donate from brownpapertickets.com. Just look up Music That Matters, all one word, 973 included in that. And, uh, yeah, man, go to the races from there. All right, awesome. So, uh, yeah, so, all right, this has uh, been a pretty cool episode. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with uh, future episodes of BSing with Sean K, go to bsingwithseank.blogspot.com. Uh, probably said that a little fast, bsingwithseank.blogspot.com. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it has a link to my Twitter, my Facebook, my YouTube, and everything else. And, uh, yeah, there should be more BSing coming soon, so uh, stay tuned.